0: There's a good level of riders, like, in Ireland. And even below that, you know, there's still boys at Conti level, like, cracking on. Like, give one of the boys a cooler, Just fill the spaces, and then the lads will see, like, oh, you know, he got his shot, like, oh, I you know, I'm not that much better. And it starts to create, like, it's a trickle-down effect from that. She was saying to me in the evening, like, oh, yeah, I, I, don't really, I don't really want to eat many carbs, you know, she's in Mexico, America, she, didn't want to eat, she didn't want to have carbs before she went to Mexico. I'm like, wow, that's, that's just not working for me, you know. <laughs> Like, I enjoy training, Like I like going out and having a tear up and stuff. I, I like pushing myself. And it's always been about like just seeing how good I can be to some extent. It's not really been about, like, I never expected to even make it this far. So I do update, I, I never made that thing about saying about Instagram and stuff, but I do update a lot, like I, I do a lot of stuff and I think people see that and they think, oh, he's always off doing this and that, like, they think that I've, like, forgetting them and like moving on. And that I find that difficult. At the end of the year, I was like selling some kit, like or like after I won Champs and I got all this you know, new kit and stuff, I was like selling the stuff I had. And I got a couple of messages from people like, oh, you should be giving this away, like give back to sport, La blah, blah, blah. Like, How much do you think I make, man? Like, <laughs> I'm skin.
1: <laughs> Welcome to the Romance Cycling Podcast. My name is Anthony Walsh. Six days a week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey towards health, happiness and longevity. Now, let's get into the show. It's episode 659 of the Roadman Cycling Podcast. Today, I welcome back Mr. Rory Townsend. Roadman, welcome back to another interview podcast. Today, I sit down and I chat once more. I'm not sure if it's the second or third time, but now he is the Irish road race champion. Last time I had Rory on the podcast... He was very honest. He shelved the kind of ego which is normally associated with professional athletes. And he was humbly insecure with saying he wasn't sure what the future for him looked like in cycling, that he couldn't make ends meet. He was trying to sell secondhand kit just to pay bills. And in all honesty, he was probably going to walk away from the sport. Well, fast forward less than 12 months, Rory finds himself in a very, very different position. He's now the Irish road race champion and he stepped up from continental level where he was with Canyon for the past few seasons. And now he finds himself in the New Zealand pro-conti setup of Black Spoke. Rory, welcome back to the Roadman Cycling Podcast. (music) Rory Townsend, welcome back to the Roadman podcast. Back again, yeah, round two. Back Again, I haven't seen you since uh, a drunken night in a nightclub Bat Roller Live. I wasn't drunk. Oh, I was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no. I don't know. Yeah, I think we're all, we're all fairly away, wasn't it? It was good fun, though.
1: Actually, I was just before we came on air, I was thinking, I was like, when's the last time we've chatted? And I was thinking about that night. And do you remember, I'm not sure if you remember this, I'm not sure how drunk you were because I was pretty drunk, but at one point this lad came up and started talking to me and it was like getting real awkward and we were having a beer at the time and then after I kind of like closed the circle and got rid of your man after about three, four minutes of him trying to start a conversation, I turned (laughs) around to you and I was like, I have no idea who that lad was. And you're like, are you serious? And it ended up being Fred Wright and I was like, oh no, because Fred had been on the podcast like (laughs) two weeks before that. That's dreadful. Are you sure that you want this going out on air? I had to send Fred a message since. Since uh, yeah,
0: you're gonna have to you're gonna have to put a disclaimer out. No, he, yeah, he's, I suppose he's. Um, it's always hard in that, especially in that situation. Maybe you didn't expect to see Fred Wright chopping some moves on the dance floor. No?
1: <laughs> uh, Rory, it's been a while twelve months. How close were you to walking away? Last time we talked on the podcast, you were pretty close to walking away from it all. How close was that in the end?
0: well I think at the time I was considering my options in a sense like I still love cycling and the main thing was like I love sport and I knew I still needed it in my life to some extent but I, I just couldn't see how my current situation was going to carry on in in that way like the you know I wasn't really making any money like it didn't seem like I was going anywhere it was really hard for Conti teams at the time coming out of Covid and you know like I'm I'm not young anymore, really not when there's like 19 year olds walking into the sport and they're just phenomenal. So it was all of those. It was kind of those kind of things. I thought, okay, like, or I was thinking, like, I'll step back and and sort of diversify a little bit what I'm doing and just almost just start doing other things away from the sport to kind of just set me up for life. That was kind of where I was at because it was just it was just a necessity at that stage.
1: Is that hard to you know because you're the local fast guy? You know anyone who steps up to that level is the local fast guy, and being the local fast guy you kind of have your identity as Rory the Cyclist. Was it hard to let your mind wander down an avenue where it's like, okay, if I'm not Rory the Cyclist, what am I?
0: No, not, not necessarily. I don't think, like, I don't, first off on that, like, kind of identity thing, like, I've always tried really hard to maintain, like, the kind of friends that I grew up with. Like, that's always been quite important to me, primarily because, like, when I'm not riding and stuff, I really try and take myself out of it. Like I live in London. Um, my girlfriend works in London. So when I'm off the bike, there's like there's plenty of distractions. You know, I like doing my stuff on the bike and then and then forgetting about it, which is great. Like you know, if you if you have a bad race, like you get over it pretty quick that in that way. So I think I'd always I'd always would have stayed in sport regardless. But I think it would have been okay in that sense of things.
1: When you're on the brink, is it a case of? you just focus on process and you don't worry about the outcome, like you can't control getting the contract. All you can do is control the session you're going to do today, the weekly volume, the weekly intensity, your performance in the races. Are you really just trying to go head down, focus on the process? Or how much can you detach yourself from that outcome when it becomes a case of, oh shit, my electric bill is due at the end of the month and I actually don't have money to pay it?
0: No, I think I I set myself up in a sense I was able to to get by, like I knew, I knew where I was at. It was more kind of like, okay, long-term, you know, if I'm going to like grow up and be an adult, like I just can't carry on, you know, that, that was kind of what it was. And yeah, I think with regards to what you say, like, you know, control the controllables kind of thing. Yeah. I think, I think that's kind of what it was about. And really like this year, it was kind of like the shackles were off to some extent because I, I kind of made up my mind in some aspect of like, if I don't carry on next year, in as in if I don't carry on sort of like trying to pursue this next year, that's fine. Like I knew what my plan B was. Like I had I had stuff lined up, which really, really took the pressure off. So I didn't, I was never like, I never felt like a real sense of desperation. Like I did say in like 2019 where I had like a really, really good year. And I thought like, okay, I, I deserve this. Like this is my time. And every race there was like huge pressure to like pull another result out. Didn't really feel that this time around. I was just kind of like going through it. Yeah, like day-to-day, like, I enjoy training, like, I like going out and having a tear-up and stuff, I I like pushing myself, and it's always been about, like, just seeing how good I can be, to some extent, it's not really been about, like, I never expected to even make it this far, so.
1: Like, I I wonder what separates the people that keep going from those that don't, I remember it's a few years before you, but your cousin would have known the team well, uh, on post here in Ireland, and so many of the lads quit and Sam Bennett was very, very, very close to quitting so many times. But for whatever reason, he always got sucked back in and he always said, I'll stick one more year, I'll stick one more year when he probably should have walked away. Like, what is it that made you not quit when others in that position did?
0: Yeah, I see like a lot of posts around like this time of year of like guys at my level saying like, oh, you know, like these retirement posts and stuff like that it just seems a bit odd to me, you know? I think for a lot of lads, there's a constant, like, expectation of what they think they should get out of the sport. Whereas, like, I guess, in a sense, I was lucky because, like I said, I never I never expected to be doing this. Like, even when I, like, went to Conti level, I just happened to be riding for a team that was then stepping up and they kept me on kind of thing. It was always... At no stage have I ever, like, kind of had massively high expectations of myself. I just constantly wanted to, like just keep chipping away and keep getting better and everything I see in the sport is just like a bonus I think I was always going to carry on riding and racing in whatever capacity for as long as I could because I thought whatever else I'll be doing it won't be as good as this and yeah I think that just stems from the fact that I never thought I'd be doing it in the first place so I was kind of off to a win just being here but it's hard to say. I, I can't put myself in someone else's shoes. You know, that's that, that's just kind of my perspective
1: on it. It's hard to find that balance because you know, on the one hand, you have that old cliche of you know, you don't want to be the lad who stops digging two inches from gold, but you also don't want to be the heavyweight boxer who stays fighting for three fights past his best and just can't get the clue that it's time to pack it in. It's hard to know where that prompt is and how others see you. Yeah, I think
0: I was lucky, you know, for, for say like the lads you were talking about with like Unpossed and stuff like that, that team went, you know, like my my team didn't go. So that that is a significant difference that you have to say. And it was like, I'm not going to step away. Like I'm not just going to walk away from the sport. If I got, if, you know, I had Tim there, he was like, still going to give me a bike, still going to give me kit. It wasn't going to like cost me to do it. So I was just like, it was just like an absolute no brainer. Like why, why would I stop? And I think if... I'd stop racing tomorrow for whatever reason you know I'd still be out on a Saturday like having a tear up with with whoever's out you know because that that's kind of what I enjoy and I know I know it's like good for me from that perspective so it's not just like the racing that I'm here for. Um and I'm definitely not tied into that idea of like I want to ride for that team you know I want to live in Jerome I want to do all that shit like I, I'm I'm into cycling because I like I like sport you know it's not I'm not like yearning for like the cycling lifestyle.
1: You're not going to get a career as an Instagram influencer after you retire.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Some of the boys here reckon I'm already doing that, but (laughs) that's just more so I can pay for less things. I,
1: I know every time I've talked to you, you've mentioned your girlfriend. I know how much you value that relationship. But I'm wondering, at what price are you willing to pay for success? Like, what price are you willing to pay to step up? If you could, you know, we fast forward two, three years from now. And you're in the quick step lead out train, and you know you're getting to contest and potentially win the biggest races in the world. Is you winning uh, a one day classic? Is that worth losing the quality of the relationship you have, losing contact with your friends, losing the kind of the Rory that you are now? Like, what what sacrifices too much?
0: That's a good question. I think I have I struggle I, I, I struggle to keep in contact with a lot of stuff like um i'm not great at keeping up with with people and friends and stuff and also like i think because like i'm updating i, I do update I, I never made that thing about saying about instagram stuff but i do update a lot like I, I do a lot of stuff and i think people see that and they think oh he's always off doing this and that like they think that i've like forgetting them and like moving on and that i find that difficult like to mesh those two worries as such like you said um and then yeah with like with Grace. She like, I mean, the best thing, and I think part of the reason I was able to sort of stick to that mentality of like I'm just going to carry on, like no matter what, kind of thing. Like she was a big part of that as well. I think she could quite easily see that I'd be horrible around the place if I hadn't, if I hadn't carried on. And like she's going into cycling a little bit and stuff, so she she sees the benefits herself from like just getting out there and and amongst it. So she was very keen for me to sort of carry on doing it, um, as long as I was like hanging around it and doing, doing the other stuff. Um, I don't think, honestly, I don't think she really minds what I'm doing as long as I'm crafting, which is, which is really nice. But it is funny. Like we were, you know, I I was chatting with one of the lads here about it. Like when you have, when you have a partner who's like not doing the same stuff and not living the same. And when you are like a cyclist, you almost have to live it like it as well to an extent as in like, you know, She would say to me in the evening, like, oh, yeah, I, I, don't really, I don't really want to eat many carbs. You know, she's in Mexico at the moment. She didn't want to have carbs before she went to Mexico. I'm like, wow, that's, that's just not working for me. You know? <laughs> so she was trying to make balances and like for sure it would be a lot easier if I could just live like a monk and, and not do anything. But that's why I've come here and it's easy. And then she'll come out for a few days and, and work from here. And then when I go back home, I know that it's like I have a week there where I'll be like in a bit of a taper phase and I can relax and we can do our stuff and then, at least when I'm here, I have my time and I'm focused and I'm I'm doing that. So yeah, I suppose it's just about balancing it in that way and 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 making sure that like the time where you can relax and enjoy it, like it's you're you're doing something with it. That that time's not like wasted because you don't get that opportunity often.
1: Because I I just look at how we view success and. Bradley Wiggins is a great example of it because, you know, undoubtedly one of the greatest cyclists ever looking at his Palmares between track stuff, Olympic goals, Tour de France. But I wonder if 15, 16 year old Bradley could look back, would he do it all again? Like his marriage broke down in the process. It seems like he's got some, you know, some mental demons to figure out through therapy. You know, there could be potentially some addiction problems. Like it's a heavy toll to pay for that success I wonder would he do it again I think he said didn't he I think
0: he said that he wouldn't do it again I think that was kind of it I also I think like cycling was like uh, an escape for him for a long time and that like some of the issues it seems like that he's dealing with today are stuff that have been suppressed since like pre-cycling you know and now without cycling that was his outlet and now he has that's been taken away and it's just like he for sure is struggling with that thing like you said like who, who is Bradley without the bike I, I, I'm, I'm sure like
1: yeah, yeah I chat to you know uh Alan Murchison the performance chef I was chatting to him about it and his, yeah, yeah, yeah. his whole industry's you know chasing Michelin stars and it's the it's the Olympic gold or the Tour de France equivalent of what we do and he said the similarities are quite striking that you start to view every single relationship through a lens of will this make it more likely or less likely that I'm going to perform? So for you, it's like relationships with your buddies, going out for New Year's, going out on Christmas Eve. It's like, well, is this more likely or less likely that I'm going to be a good bike rider. And you start running everything through this binary lens. Should I go to the cinema with the missus? Should I go for a weekend? Should I go to Cabo in the middle of the season? Mm-hmm. When you just keep saying no, 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 no to everything just to prioritize cycling, it has the potential to leave you like Michael Phelps at the end of his Olympic campaign, the most decorated Olympian ever, but contemplating suicide with no friends to celebrate his victory, huge addiction problems, and you know, just a totally isolated character.
0: Yeah, I mean... It's hard it's hard like when you when you put in so much of the sport. I think I think especially especially with cycling as well, like it's funny how cycling itself has become such a lifestyle as well. Like I think you could it's 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 definitely like an all-consuming thing because just by its nature, like you spend you spend a lot of hours on the bike each day anyway. But my perspective on it is like I am always making the, like kind of cost benefit sort of analysis of the thing. And I I know that I can that I'll live in, in a certain way during the season and then October is my like blowout. But like, every October I like I'm a stay, you know, for the whole month. Like and I'll make sure that I like make the most of that period as well. I try and like rain it in again November, December, um, you know, start working in grafting and then Christmas. I always pretty much every season I'll start almost like November first, start training, train all the way up till like pretty much like Christmas Eve, and then I'll have that whole week off as well. Get on it again for like New Year's or with that, and then from New Year's Day, that's it. And I'm in, I'm in like a proper good headspace. Just get cracking, and I don't drink during the season, and I find it quite easy to like do that as well. Like I don't find it tough, and that just means that like if I want to go see a mate, I'm, I can always just drive there. I nip in my car. I'm like I'm there on my own whim, which means I can go whenever I need to go as well. So that, that's kind of how I how I deal, deal with it. And but. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can't really comment on the the likes of like Phelps and and those guys. You know, they're just like on a completely different sort of planet. And the problem that they have, there's no precedent for like that level of success. Is that like how do you live after that? There's no playbook for like guys like Phelps and and particularly Bradley as well, who you know, that cycling, you know, it was not, it was almost like nothing before he came along in this country.
1: We are happy to have HVMN as one of today's show sponsors. There's been a huge buzz in the cycling world about ketones and their effects on focus, weight management, and performance. But what are ketones? Well, ketones are a natural source of fuel for your body. They're up to 28% more efficient than glucose, making them an incredible fuel source for long endurance rides or even races. After overindulging a little bit in the holiday period, I'm doubling back down on my diet and I've been using ketones along with intermittent fasting to get dialed back and into my optimum race weight. I'm taking them as soon as I wake in the morning and it's not only suppressing my hunger, it's improving my focus and I actually have a lot of energy, which is opposed to when I intermittent fast without ketones. I find myself tired, sometimes irritable and can't focus on tasks that well. If you want to check them out and give them a try for yourself, head on over to hvmn.com forward slash roadman and use the code ROADMAN at checkout to save 20% off your order. If you're looking to up your form, double down and get an edge this season, this may be exactly what you're looking for. Head on over to hvmn.com forward slash roadman and use the code ROADMAN at checkout to save 20% on your order. All the details of this offer are in today's show notes. Taking a little bit of a right turn, Rory, You're, you've are you been involved in the Irish national team setup and it's as a cycling fan and an Irish cycling fan, it's a setup that just is so, so frustrating. Like I had Dunbar on the podcast, I'm going to say 10 weeks out from Worlds and on air he's saying like, I- I'm training, but I don't know if I'm going to Worlds. Like it's a course that suits me. I'm moving well, but they still haven't told me if I'm going or not. Yeah. And it's like, I get that for a long time, we didn't have riders who could compete in the biggest races. But now you look, you know, we've you stepping up. We've Eddie, you know, such an amazing rider. He's going to kick on hopefully next year and do amazing things with Bike Exchange. We've Mullen, one of the best lead out riders in the world. And we have Sam, arguably the best sprinter in the entire world. Like, we're not going to make up numbers. We have a team that's capable of winning. Europeans, we don't send a full allocation of riders. And it's, as a fan, it's like, it's so, so frustrating to watch. What's it like being on the inside?
0: I'd say like, I've been fairly lucky to some extent because like, I didn't have any experience of doing any of this stuff before, I, you know, started riding with, with Cycling Island and stuff. That said, like, it, it is worrying for sure. I, I've always been baffled about that thing of like not sending the full amount of riders. Like that to me is just bizarre. Like there's some, I did the Ross, I did the Ross last year. And that's, I've done it before when it was UCI and I did it this year as amateur. And it's class. Like there's a good level of riders like in Ireland. And even below that, you know, there's still boys at Conti level, like cracking on, like give one of the boys a cooler, just fill the spaces. And then the lads will see like, oh, you know, he got his shot, like, you know, I'm not that much better. And it starts to create like, there's a trickle down effect from that where you know the boys boys in Ireland can see can see their pathway through. And that's one thing that really bugs me. And then also I think the thing with Wells was after they said that they said we weren't going, which I wasn't overly surprised about because just of you know what I'd heard and, and this and that. But then it came with like this and they said to us, you know, going forward, we're gonna have to review whether or not um, our chances of success at a, at a competition as to whether or not we'll we'll send a team. I was just, uh, it's just it's just shit you know it's a bit it's so defeatist if, if you send me a team like go 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 for it
1: like you look at Matty Taggart and his ride in the Commonwealth Games that's inspirational for our domestic riders to look at that because they race against him you know 10-20 times a year and they can directly compare themselves and say Yo, mm. Matty's not that far of a level ahead of me I get to race with him every week and now he's rolling a top 5 of Commonwealth Games it might give them that motivation, like you at dark times when you're very close to walking away to say, You know what, I'll give this another year, and then they kick on and they become the next Sam Bennett,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think why the hell not, you know? And I think the thing, the thing that really was a shame about worlds this year, at least, is like the lads coming through now. I, I really thought, I thought, okay, like they might not send out like a senior team, shame, but. It's unlikely I'm gonna win the worlds. So like I'm not gonna sort of kick up too much shit. But those are the under 23s, the under 23s in Ireland right now are, are honestly like unreal. I trained with them before I trained with some of the lads here. Uh Martin Irvine come out with a big group of under 23s um before Christmas. And like, you know, between like Darren and um Archie as well, like this year, like some of the under 23s are unbelievable and they really deserve their shot, you know. And that, that that to me was like a real shame that they, did, they didn't get a go. And like cycling on has lost like some un-23 riders before. Like I know like Zeno Young, for example, went over to GB. I think he was going to get a better shot over there. You know, you want to, you want to create a platform for these lads to succeed?
1: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Like those 23-year-olds now, this, the ecosystem in cycling has changed so much since you were a U23 rider. Like Conti teams, I don't want to say they were easy to get into, but you know, I got into a Conti team. It wasn't a super difficult thing to do, but now there's so, there's really good riders scrambling around that can't get a foothold at all in the sport at the moment. Mm. What do you make of the the ecosystem of pro cycling at the moment on that lower level? Is it stronger when you're inside it than it looks from the outside looking in?
0: I think it's tough, man. Like there's no, <clears throat> there's really no, um, there's no amateurism and professionalism anymore. <laughs> like you know, every every county team, if they want to survive, like they got to be. A very very good level you know but it's like it's on a shoestring i think so yeah no it's tough and i think for it's obviously it's great for the young lads coming through now like there's the whole 23 program most world tour teams have got a devo squad now which is great like that that's really changed like i think when i was coming through there was like bmc you had seg but yeah like for now like the young lads like there's a real platform there's a sort of like a you yeah, grassroots to, to, to world-class kind of pathway that's quite easily trodden where it's a bit sort of like, didn't really know what was like the best thing to do, certainly when I was coming through. But yeah, like it's almost like there's no kind of middle ground now, which is, which is a bit strange. Like there's not a lot of quantity teams around. Um, and say like the old team, the team that I was with, like Canyon, you know, if say like Torin went from the calendar, I think that would be them done. And they're a really strong Conti team. So, yeah, I it's, think it's, it's tough.
1: I think there's a big perception difference between how the public view riders who are on Conti teams and actually the reality of being on a Conti team. I think the general Joe Public cycling fan thinks when you're on a Conti team, you're making six figures and you're balling around the world on private jets.
0: Yeah, I think so. I guess they think like, oh, you race against like Van Aert. Like, you must be the same. It's so different. Like, I remember at the, end of the, at the end of the year, I was, like, selling some kit. like Or, like, after I won Champs and I got all this you know, new kit and stuff, I was, like, selling the stuff I had. And I got a couple of messages from people, like, oh, you should be giving this away, like, give back to the sport, La blah, 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 I'm like, how much do you think I make, man? Like, <laughs> I'm skin. <laughs> you know, like, this is just, like, that's what I see the kit at. Like, I want, like, I want, like, seven or eight jerseys. Or, you know, when I was with them, I was like, thinking, I need seven or eight jerseys here. To like <laughs> just to like make sure I get a holiday at the end of the season, make sure I can buy Grace a nice birthday present come come Feb. But like, yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, um, it, is, it is kind of like that. Tell us about
1: next year. The step up.
0: So yeah, next year with with Spoke, like obviously super super exciting opportunity. They they themselves are stepping up. Um, so it's kind of like a nice. A nice way to do it, um, kind of moving up as the team moves up and kind of all going through it together, which would be great. i sort of spoken to them quite a bit throughout the year and then the deal was done actually after I won the... I won a couple of commesses in Belgium and basically the deal was done there um, after that. And I was having conversations with other teams as well, but actually I was I was actually super keen on on this team specifically. I just thought from an outside looking in, they, they just seemed like... They were doing things in the right way, and there was the opportunity to come here and kind of like help bring the team along and be one of one of the kind of more senior guys, one of the main guys, and and have a have like decent level of support. And yeah, it's not yeah. I, th- I just thought it, was, it all just worked for me at the point that I am in my career.
1: And you know, besides actually getting a wage now, what's the main differences from stepping up from county level to pro Conti level? I
0: mean the calendar and stuff like that. It's the whole level of organisation is a lot higher, and there's a lot more expected of you now as well. Like even stuff like uh, we got this medical form to like fill out um, and bits and bobs like that. Like there's all that thing, and you're just kind of more aware that you're part that you you're basically you are like in it now. You're 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 in the sport proper, like doing stuff like whereabouts and things like that. Like the things that probably drag on, like every world tour rider, stuff they like, hate doing is still like still. To me, is like, oh, it's it's fun. This is exciting. I'm not had to do this before. <laughs> this is serious, you know. Um, <laughs> so that's, that, that's good anyway. Um, but uh, no, it's it's good. Like it's funny we we because because New Zealand it's a Kiwi team and they 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 got their nationals like in a few weeks. So like a lot of the team are basically over there focusing, get ready for that, and then they'll come over to Europe say like February time. And I think March will be like a great month where like we'll be based in the team house in Belgium, like in amongst it with the lads and stuff, and that's kind of the time that I'm really looking forward to. And even just like being able having the luxury, yeah. it's just, I say luxury, it's Belgium after all, but <laughs> you know, it's being able to stay in Belgium uh, rather than like doing the two and a thre all the time. And I, I think that would be the big difference for us. Like the travel does take it out of yeah. you. Like it, I can't, it's, it's hard to explain, but it, having been able to stay there in the accommodation, it's like a, it is, an, it's a really nice place. And I'm hoping like, even if I just did exactly the same stuff as I've been doing for the last five years, I'm going to be better off regardless because we have that extra support. You know, there's riders all here pulling together. It's, you know, and that's that's kind of what I'm looking forward to.
1: And is it going to be a change for you coming from Canyon where you're a protected rider, you're the main man going into a race to having to look after like, you know, Commonwealth Games champions there are gate. You've other you know, amazing roster of riders. Is there a, process of you finding your role within the team or is that already being decided
0: yeah i think largely we all kind of know what we're here to do my training has been quite different this year actually it's, it's interesting doing stuff i've not really done before like i'm very much on board as like one of the sprinters basically so I, i'm focusing on that a lot which i haven't done for a long long time and it, yeah no it's cool like i had a i had a I had a chat with like greg henderson this morning and he he's like an absolute legend of the sport um and, like, has worked with some, like, top, top sprints as well. So, like, stuff like that is, like, really going to help sort of bring us along. But I think there'll definitely be a sort of period of, like, working it out those first few races, like, seeing where you stand and things like that. But I think being a, a team like this and, like, the level they're at and where they aspire to be, like... Whereas Canyon, it was, like, always... There was always this sense of, like, the team will get you to the race and then from there you're, you're doing your own thing, you know? Whereas, like, I think this team is, like very much like we'll all be pulling together because just the level of professionalism that, that's ingrained to it all like you know if you get given a task you better bloody well do it and that's kind of how i'm how i'm thinking about it anyway
1: i remember chatting to uh chris yule jensen on the podcast uh despite his name he's an extraordinarily irish man <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, chris was saying His training basically just mirrors what he needs to do in races. Now, that seems obvious, but the training changed for him from, he's not someone that ever aspires to win a race. It's not his role in the team. He's the dude they sit on the front of the bunch, riding at 350 watts for three and a half hours so he said his training sessions literally could be step out the door five minute warm-up and then he does three hours 350 watts and comes back in the door he said there's very little (laughs) variation in his training that's all he trains to get good at is there a sense that your training is going to have to change to sort of come to the demands of this new role yeah i
0: think it's is it's like that at this level like you have you have guys in the team designated to do Different things like that. That's very much what it is, and you work towards your role. I was I was nervous, like I was worried about the block I'm in right now. So as of like a couple of days ago, since I got here, I'm doing a three week like basically power block, like basically doing like two max three hour rides with just a bucket load of sprints in them, just trying to improve that power. And previous to this, like like I was worried, if it's so different to what I've done before, and I was thinking like. Oh, am I still going to be all right at the finish? Like, am I going to get there? That kind of thing. Whereas the thing previously I've had to almost like, I've had to give up a bit my sprint to sort of, to make sure I've got the legs to just be there at the finish. Whereas hopefully now some of that will be taken care of. uh, And I can just focus on the, on, on the final bit that's the theory anyway. I mean, yeah, we'll see how we go. If I start, if I step out of the wind and start going backwards, on our i know there.
1: <laughs> You're at the start of a pretty exciting chapter. I wonder if you, if you zoom out and you look big, long-term horizon. say we look 10 years down the road, what would have to happen between now and then for the, this to be like, oh yeah, that was brilliant. Everything that could have happened in a dream world happened.
0: I, don't, I, I really don't know, man. I don't know where, I don't know where it goes from here. I'm just trying to enjoy the ride. Like, You know, if everything goes well with the team and, like, and I fit in, like, I could happily, like, see out my days, like, in the team. Like, I'm not someone that that jumps around and moves around that much. Like, I mean, I was with Canyon since 2017. So, yeah, I think um, I just want to, I just want to, like, see as many places, do as many races as I can and obviously try and win, win a few along the way. I suppose, like, my ultimate goal, when talking about cycling, I've always wanted to ride the Olympics so that would be like massive if I was able to do that but um yeah beyond that like I haven't got any like specific like ambitions
1: Rory it's a beginning of an exciting new chapter and yeah you'll definitely have to come back and keep me posted how it's going Uh, thanks for joining me on the Roadman podcast cheers man cheers